WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Four years after Charlotte City leaders first started talking about a revolutionary mobility plan, very little public progress has been made. A lot of it comes down to how to fund the $13.5 billion plan, and city leaders think a one-cent sales tax is the best way to fund it, but that requires the blessing of state lawmakers in Raleigh, and Republicans in the General Assembly don't see eye-to-eye -eye with the Democratic majority right now on city council. Joining us now is Charlotte City Councilman Ed Driggs. He represents District 7 proudly. He also chairs council's uh, Transportation Committee. Councilman, welcome back to Flashpoint. Nice to have you. Good morning, Ben. Good to be here. We always like to check in with you periodically since uh, you're one of the sort of uh, point people for the city's transit plan. Um, I know City Council had a retreat a few weeks ago. Um, you all discussed the, the $13.5 billion mobility plan. You think any progress has been made? I think we are making progress, but we're also learning that there are many things that we have to do, things that have to be brought into alignment in order to get to a point where we're ready to go to the public, for example, with a referendum for a sales tax and uh, to Washington for funding. Uh, Vicki Sawyer, uh, Republican state lawmaker who represents the northern part of Mecklenburg and Iredell. Um, we have her coming up on the show a little bit later, but I, I spoke to her and she says that, that from her vantage point, she hasn't really seen any progress. And, and that matters just because she says she, she speaks to you and, and Tark Bakari and, and the mayor on occasion, but we know that, and you know better than most, that, that we're going to need buy-in from the General Assembly, from Republicans, from regional stakeholders. Um, so to the casual observer from the outside, it seems like we're at the same point that we were four years ago when this th thing was first brought up. Um, but, but you say there is progress behind the scenes. So I've had meetings with leaders in Raleigh and uh, learned a bit more about what their perception is, their expectations are, and essentially we've been working to meet those expectations before going back and engaging with them again. So it's not that nothing has happened, but I think we underestimated all the work that was going to be needed in order to set this plan properly in motion. You have to achieve alignment of all of the member communities within Mecklenburg County and within the entire Connect Beyond area. And uh, we have to update a lot of the work that we did to estimate costs and things like that. The General Assembly indicated to us that the content of rail in the plan that we were working on didn't sit well with them. Uh, so we've gone back and started to consider exactly how we achieve uh, some sort of consensus with them that would get them to let us conduct a referendum. It, it seems like for the better part of the last few years, you had council saying one thing um, and then you had uh, the General Assembly saying something different. And it didn't seem like there was really sort of any middle ground that, that was being had. But it sounds like from what you're saying, there's some talk of more compromise there. Do you think your, your fellow council members, um, especially the Democrats who, who make up a majority, uh, easy majority of council, are going to be okay with what some Republicans call a road first plan? Uh, I don't know if it has to be road first. Uh, I think what we need to do is demonstrate that we heard the input we got from them, go back and find some common ground and work from there. And I believe that uh, my colleagues will recognize that uh, we're going to have to take on board the input that we're getting from the legislature and from partner communities in the area. And another big piece of this is Norfolk Southern um, because of the red line, which would tr go from uptown to uh, the northern part of Mecklenburg County. A big part of that has been agreeing to get Norfolk Southern to allow the city to use some of it tr its tracks. 
Um, and for a lot of Republicans involved in this, they say that that is a, a must do that has got to be the priority. Um, have we made any more progress uh, with Norfolk Southern? So some time ago, the city announced that we had actually reached a point where there was some daylight there. We're not sure what the final outcome is, but Norfolk Southern is no longer saying no, just no. And that's what we had for a while. It's one of the reasons so much time has gone by, because we needed to get an agreement with Norfolk Southern in order to get the northern towns on board. They were disappointed that the half-cent sales tax that was pay passed in 1998 didn't pay for or didn't achieve the red line outcome that they expected. So a lot of time was spent working with Norfolk Southern to get to a point where we said, okay, you know, we have the prospect now of a solution there. So let's move on with the other things that need to happen. Does this also mean that the silver line, do you think, um, will have to be put on hold or be substantially changed? That would go from uh, the western part of the county uh, through uptown, past the airport, through uptown, and then down, uh, say, Independence, that corridor. Um, a lot of folks I know, Tark Vakari is not a big fan of that. What do things look like for the silver line? The Silver Line is clearly the centerpiece of the rail that was included in the work that we did. So to the extent that we have to make any changes in the composition of the plan and, and the mix of different projects, uh, the Silver Line would be the first rail project we would have to look at. Uh, and it, it could happen. It could happen that we do need to go back and think again about how that works. Uh, I don't think we completely remove it until we've been able to talk to legislators and make our case as to why some rail ought to be included in the plan and see where we come out. But uh, if there is a discussion about rail, it would center on the Silver Line because that's the first project. It's the furthest along. Uh, what would your message be to the folks, you mentioned them a second ago, uh, in the northern part of, of Mecklenburg County who do feel like they, they have been, uh, their emotions have been toyed with over the last couple of decades when it comes to uh, transit and the red line. Um, what would you tell them about any assurities you could give? I would just say that uh, I understand their frustration. They did think that the half cent sales tax was going to result in that major uh, connection. It didn't happen. It wasn't any doing of Charlotte's. Uh, we have been working very hard to try to deliver, and we're considering what could happen in any future sales tax to ensure that they don't have an experience like that one again. Uh, then real quickly, just because I know uh, for some of these surrounding communities, the, the, the sort of operation of cats in the last year or two has come into question. Um, but, but we've learned this week um, that there's, cats is going to get some new technology that would address some of the wheel bearings that have been an issue that caused some of the derailments over the last few years. Um, and, and so I assume that's a promising development for you all who are, who are trying to get um, buy-in from some of these stakeholders. Uh, that's not entirely new news, but what we have done since the one event that occurred, there was in 2022, there was a derailment involving a train with passengers. And to be clear, what that meant was one of the wheel assemblies on one car of that train lost its position on the track. The train stopped, everybody got off. It was a bit like a flat tire on a bus. But nonetheless, we were focused on the condition of these wheel bearings and mainly on <clears throat> making up for maintenance that had been missed on those trains. Now that maintenance has been scheduled and included in that is a device that's gonna be put in all the wheel assemblies that basically reports on the condition of those bearings in a real-time basis so that the operator and the maintenance yard can see what the condition is of the bearings. 
And that has two consequences. One, the likelihood of a failure like the one that occurred on that train uh, is uh, virtually non-existent anymore because you can tell on an ongoing basis what the condition of the bearings is. But two, the schedule for the maintenance of the bearings can be changed because you only need to service them as needed instead of on a fixed schedule, kind of like changing the oil in your car. So we expect to see uh, if, if safety even further improved and uh, to realize some cost savings from the new technology. Uh, and it will be installed on an ongoing basis as those wheel bearings uh, go to Siemens for maintenance. Councilman Ed Driggs, uh, he is the point person for all things transit and mobility right now in the city and in the region and has a, a, a big job that he, he's taking on trying to get all these different stakeholders um, talking to each other, which is not always easy, we know. Uh, Councilman, thanks for coming on, we appreciate it. Good to see you, Ben, thank you. All right, take care. Still to come on Flashpoint, you just heard from one city leader, but leaders in Raleigh have a big say in where this plan goes next. Ahead, the conversations one senator is having with Charlotte's top leaders and why she says she's not seen a lot of progress. Welcome back to Flashpoint. It'll be up to leaders in Raleigh to decide if a sales tax gets on the ballot to help fund big transit projects here in Charlotte. And at least one Republican senator says she's having active conversations with city leadership. But so far, she says she's not seen a lot of progress. Joining us now is North Carolina Republican Senator Vicki Sawyer, who represents both North Mecklenburg and Iredell counties. Senator, thanks for coming on Flashpoint. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Um, as you know, the transit plan is so large, it's going to require buy-in from regional stakeholders and Republicans in the General Assembly. You checked both those boxes. Um, so the first question is honestly a really simple, basic one is, is have, have you personally heard from Charlotte City leaders about the transit plan and, and the penny sales tax that would be required to pay for, for it? Any of those things? Well, to Mayor Lyle's credit, she has reached out to me on several occasions, um, maybe about once every quarter or every six months uh, in regards to their request to continue the transit plan. Of course, Tark Bakare has been a constant bug in the ear, and as well as uh, Councilman Ed Briggs, they all three have really been working hard to make sure that I stay in the loop. Okay, that's encouraging for folks who are, who are fans of some sort of transit plan, that's encouraging. So then the next question, the logical question is, do you think we're making any progress on the issue? No. <laughs> no. Well, that was a simple answer. Uh, why, why so though? <laughs> well, I mean, we continue to listen and hear from the work groups within the city council that there's not one unified voice. We hear that maybe people want to do roads first, others want to do transit first, and then you put all that into the soup and then you hear that there's issues with cats. So it just seems like there is a mismatch of priorities in the city of Charlotte in regards to transit and it, it really does need to be one plan. So you answer some of it there, but what would you like to see happen before you're going to feel comfortable representing your constituents and supporting like something like this. What what needs to happen? Well, for me, I've made a very clear request to the communities that I represent in North Mac, and that is they're going to have to have full buy-in from their mayors and their board in order to support any type of tax. So. From the very beginning, for me, it's all about the local control and the local control of those mayors and council folks that I represent in North Mecklenburg. You, you mentioned the roads first thing, and that's something Republicans have been pushing for. How do you balance that, though? I mean, you're, you're personally affected by this. You're not some far off, you know, lawmaker in Raleigh. You're you're affected by this. The red line 
what would serve folks in your district. So how do you reconcile, oh, a roads first, which Tim Moore has indicated he wants, the former House Speaker there in Raleigh, um, and also understanding that rail is the most expensive and largest part about this? Well, uh, very simply, there is no deal. There has not been a deal with Norfolk Southern. And this is the same deal that has been touted and sold and told to us, especially in South Iredale, North Mecklenburg. Gosh, from the time that I can remember, maybe the last 15 years, as a resident of this area for nearly 30 years, graduate of UNC Charlotte, I live in Mooresville. I-77 is the front porch or the front driveway for most of us in this community. And we have been told year after year that there will be some deal with the red line. And we just really, frankly, haven't seen any movement there. I do hear positive things are coming out, but I also heard that last year, and I also heard that the year before. So we are a community that have had 20 years of broken promises, going all the way back to finishing the um, 485 North Beltline, to the toll roads, and now to the red line. So quite frankly, I just have to see it before I believe it. City leaders have toyed with your all's emotions over transit for, <laughs> for the better part of two decades, going back to, to sales tax back back then, I think in the late 90s as well. Uh, you mentioned Norfolk Southern. The, the big development there for folks who don't know is that um, the, the, the plan called for sharing tracks with Norfolk Southern. Um, unlike the blue line, which needed some new tracks or say a silver line, which would need new tracks. This would basically share the same right of way, that, which is a, a huge deal as far as just construction and getting it implemented. Last year, Norfolk Southern, after saying otherwise for years, said, hey, you know what? We might be able to work with you guys and we might be able to let you share the lines with us, which would completely change everything. But from what you're saying, it doesn't seem like that's gone any further. Not that I'm aware of. And so um, I have tried to keep my nose out of it because I'm not one of the parties that is um, in those negotiations. So I don't want to mess things up. I have not heard from any of the leaders uh, either side between Northbrook Southern or from the city of Charlotte that there's any movement in that area. And again, as um, you just stated, we've had a history, decades of histories of broken promises. And I don't see that this one um, is gonna come to fruition anytime soon, unless there's something that I just don't know. Uh, I know the mayor has said she watches this program. I know other city leaders watch this program. I know you've spoken to some of them uh, in the past, but. Uh, if they're watching right now, what is the, the one thing that needs to happen for the General Assembly to uh, approve this and speed up this whole process? Well, truly, this is about local control and the city of Charlotte's transportation vision and where they want to move forward. Um, the General Assembly is there to help and aid one of our largest, if not the largest city in um, economic development in North Carolina. And transportation is a huge deal about that. You've seen significant investments from Raleigh into Charlotte, and we will continue to advocate for those. But we do need a regional approach to transportation. And when I say regional, that doesn't mean the city of Charlotte region. That does include Union County and Iredell and Cabarrus and Lincoln and those other surrounding areas that we all use the city of Charlotte's roadways. That is what I believe, and I think what Speaker Moore meant, is about the roads first, because although these, these red lines and silver lines and blue lines are very attractive for an area, it only helps one certain area. It doesn't really have that regional approach that we're looking for to be able to live, work, and play in the Charlotte area. A really illuminating conversation that I think folks, especially here in Charlotte, need to hear. 
Um, all right, Senator Vicki Sawyer, thanks for coming on and chatting with us. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. Next up on Flashpoint, juvenile crime on the rise here in Charlotte. Efforts to get this crisis under control. Welcome back to Flashpoint. The city of Charlotte is creating a plan to address rising youth violence. The city council's Housing Safety and Community Committee met with staff members to discuss priorities, and leaders are putting pressure on city staff to make recommendations soon. Here's Julia Kaufman. City leaders want to act fast to reduce teen crime. Worrying wasted time could lead to another young life taken too soon. A 17-year-old shot and killed in Northwest Charlotte and a 15-year-old shot in a triple shooting at a Southwest Charlotte apartment complex. Two tragedies we've reported in the past two weeks and the latest examples of rising youth violence in the Queen City. We must look at this with a sense of urgency. The mayor has now tasked city staff members with making actionable recommendations on how to reduce the violence. The draft plan could include policy changes, increasing funding, enhancing existing youth programs, and more. All options are on the table. Assistant City Manager Sean Heath plans to use community input to craft the recommendations. We need to have juvenile justice involved individuals um, at the table providing some perspective in this work. The youth targeting strategies will work in concert with Mecklenburg County's violence prevention plan. The plan is to see a reduction in homicides and gun-related assaults by 10% each over the course of five years. Keith hopes to give the recommendations to the Housing, Safety and Community Committee in April, but couldn't give a set timeline. In Uptown, Julia Kaufman, WCNC Charlotte. We are getting a better idea of what Charlotte's very first social district will look like. Plaza Midwood's social district is set to begin next month. It allows people to drink alcohol outside a designated district. Well, if you traveled along Central Avenue lately, you've seen the boundary signs are now posted. Organizers say they're finalizing the list of participants, but plan to start with about 12 to 15 businesses. People who work there say it will help save many businesses who are struggling to stay afloat. Changing demographics in the neighborhood have really sort of changed what the, the area has felt like. We think it's just one more tool in a toolbox to, to try to save historic parts of Charlotte. It's a positive force that can help us all work together to promote the neighborhood. The stainless steel cups will be $8, reusable, and must have a bar sticker on them to be valid. The social district opens in early March. Next, a new poll out of North Carolina revealing what some major races will look like this November. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Brand new polling out of North Carolina shows just how divided the state is ahead of this year's election. New data from Meredith College found there are three clear frontrunners ahead of the primary. Former President Donald Trump dominating Nikki Haley for the Republican presidential nomination. And then in the governor's race, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson and Josh Stein leading in their respective primaries. But come November, polling shows just how purple of a state North Carolina really is. In a hypothetical matchup, Donald Trump would beat Joe Biden in the state, but then flip it when it comes to the governor's race, Stein would beat out Robinson in the race for governor. Voters will have their first chance to weigh in during the primary. That's set for March 5th. Meanwhile, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley have all eyes on South Carolina. The two main GOP candidates left participating in two separate contests this week, a primary and a caucus. Nikki Haley losing in a primary of her own. Voters had the choice of none of these options or Haley. Nevada voted against the former governor. It's Haley's third consecutive loss in early state primaries, but her campaign says she is not discouraged 
and is already looking to her home state. Early voting in South Carolina uh, kicks off on Monday. The election is set for February 24th. GOP frontrunner and former President Donald Trump has his eye on North Carolina party leader to step in as the next RNC chair. The AP is reporting Trump is interested in seeing Michael Watley lead the party on a national level. He's been here on Flashpoint a number of times. Watley is currently the GOP chairman for North Carolina and currently serves as a general counsel for the RNC. Current chair, chair Ronna McDaniel is swaying stepping down after the South Carolina primary. And folks, a reminder, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, now known as X, Facebook as well. If there's something you want us to cover on Flashpoint, let us know. As always, remember to listen to and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. And we'll see you back here next weekend.